Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. The PCC leadership team uh, asked me several months ago to help define how the PCC Center ministry contributes to the mission of PCC which is to empower generations to follow Jesus one person at a time. With its audacious goal of reaching 10% of our city and 10% of the peninsula to become Jesus followers. So I did some digging and I did some research and what I found is that we are in a post-Christian culture. We're in a time where Christianity is no longer the main, the prevailing ideology or the prevailing religion. Uh, We're now in a time where actually what I found is this, that being an evangelical Christian church is actually viewed as irrelevant or negative. And so we are, my team and I sat down and we wrestled that to the ground and said, well, how do we, how do we contribute to the PCC mission in light of that challenge? And what we came up with is this, that the PCC Center Ministry serves over 10,000 people in our city. We use sports and fitness to build communities that love God, love others, so that they can feel known and valued by name because we believe they are image bearers of God, not because they come to our church or they belong to our community, but they are valued because they're image bearers of God. And so when we do that at the center ministry, we believe that we're building a reputation for PCC as an evangelical Christian church that cares about the city and loves this city, regardless of whether you come to our church or not. And we're trying to build relationships, meaningful relationships, so that you as PCCers and every Jesus follower on the peninsula can leverage that relationship to help people understand and get to know Jesus better. Oddly enough, that lesson started for me 10 years ago. And oddly enough, it was taught to me by a center member who's not even a Christian, but he used this blue towel to imprint that message onto me. And so 10 years ago, um, I joined this church staff. I'd been in the high-tech industry for 21 years, and, and I uh, joined the church staff as the center, directory, uh, center director. And I thought, like, just like a, a freshman in high school, I was eagerly walking around the campus and introducing myself to different people and say, hey, I'm now the center director. Do you have any suggestions for me? And for the most part, people were like, oh, yeah, welcome. You know, it's great to have you here. And then I run it, ran into a buzzsaw, literally. He said to me, yeah, I got something for you, Anthony. And this is a guy I know. And I'll call him Dave. That's not his real name. Uh, He said, don't tell me ever about your God. And I thought, wait, this is supposed to be easier than the marketplace. And, uh, And I composed myself and I said, can you help me understand why? He said, yeah, because I've been coming here for a long time. And I look around and the place is falling apart. The fence is leaning. There's stuff all over the children's playground, like even tires. 
Um, I see your staff. Your staff who call themselves Christians, they're bickering, they're gossiping. You know, and all I ever hear from your tribe is what you're doing in Mexico and in East Palo Alto and in Africa to help others. But I pay you good money, Anthony. I pay you guys, so he's qualifying, I pay you guys good money and I can't even get a clean towel. At that point, I had the best missiology and theology lesson I think I've ever had. And that's this. It doesn't matter what I know about Jesus. It doesn't matter what I want to tell people about Jesus if I can't serve like Jesus. It doesn't matter what I know about Jesus or what I want to tell people about Jesus if I can't serve like Jesus. And I don't think I'm alone. Because every one of you has a blue towel. may not look like this, but every one of you has a blue towel. And, uh, and the blue towel for us at the center is our lifeblood. If you've ever been to the, blue, to the center, if you've ever been a center member, an uh, infrequent guest, or a staff member, you know what the blue towel means to us. Like even my staff is over here, they're like, what are you doing with the blue towels? Uh, is the blue towel. And, and uh, if, you're a, if you're a center member, you probably come in and you get one or two blue towels. Susan Linkwitz, our member services director, always says, just give them one, right? And then if you've been to the center, chances are you've taken home mistakenly a blue towel. And I know because I've seen you washing your car with it. <laughs> and that's okay. There's always amnesty for the blue towel. And we've all done it. I've done it. I've opened my gym bag going, oh, there's a blue towel. Um, but the point is, the point is blue towels are important in the way that we serve at the center. And every one of you has a blue towel. The problem is this. Most of us, including myself, misunderstand the significance of the blue towel that we have. It's the way that we serve wherever God has placed us. And we don't understand the spiritual aspect of the blue towel or the significance eternally of the blue towel. And there's a, there's a couple of reasons. I don't think these are the only reasons, but I think it's this. Uh, one of it is we think our blue towels are only spiritual and significant if they're church-related. If I'm serving in Mexico... If I'm in a, you know, doing Beautiful Day or Global 6K or if I'm, I'm, I'm volunteering on Sundays, that's when the blue towel counts, right? Or we think, some of us even think that, well, it's only when you volunteer that the blue towel counts. Because if I get paid where I work, then the blue towel must not count, right? Because I'm getting something out of it. The last thing is I think we use the wrong lenses for the blue towel. We use our lenses instead of God's lenses to determine if, this, if the blue towel that he's given us is spiritual and significant. The good news is this. Peter and God, Peter uh, taking God's word, is he is speaking to us and giving us a blueprint on how to view our blue towels. 
And as I look around, your blue towels might look like if you're a stay-home parent, it may look like the meal that you have created and cooked for the 1,000th time. If you're a student, your blue towel mechanic could look like your classroom or your soccer field. If you're retired, Dougie and Mary Lou, your blue towel could look like taking care of the grandkids. If you're an empty nester, your blue towel could look like taking care of your aging parents and at the same time still trying to take care of your young adult kids. Yeah, Dave? So we all have blue towels. The problem is we don't see the spiritual significance of our blue towel. And I think we're missing something important when we do. And 1 Peter takes us through that. So to understand 1 Peter, we actually have to go back to, 2 P, uh, to 1 Peter 2, 9, 10. And what I'd like to do is I'd like us to experience uh, Peter the way that his original audience experienced it. So I'm going to ask you, I know this is weird, but I'm going to ask you to stand up as I read God's word because that's how the original audience heard this. We all walk around with our Bibles and our electronic device. Susan, you can stay seating. Uh, but for the, for the rest of the Christians that were listening to First Peter, they were hearing it orally. And so if you have it, you can read it. Uh, but I'm reading the message. It says this. You who are servants, I'm using the message version. You who are servants, be good servants to your masters, not just to good servants, but also to bad ones. What counts is that you put up with it for God's sake when you were treated badly for no good reason. There's no particular virtue in accepting punishment that you well deserve. But if you are treated badly for good behavior and continue in spite of it to be a good servant, that is what counts with God. This is the kind of life you've been invited into, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so you would know that it could be done and also know how to do it step by step. He never did one thing wrong. Not once did he say anything amiss. They called him every name in the book and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. He used the servant body to carry out carry our sins to the cross so we could be rid of sin, free to live the right way. His wounds became our healing. You were lost sheep with no idea of who you were or where you're going. Now you're named and kept for good by the shepherd of your souls. You guys can sit down. I think the first part of understanding uh, the blueprint for the blue towel is we have to understand, I think, three things. One, we have to understand why you should serve who you should serve, and how you should serve. And so to understand why we should serve, I think we need to go back to 1 Peter's second, second uh, chapter, verses 9 to 10. And this is what it says. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instrument to do his work and speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something from rejected to accepted. We studied that last week. 
And, and that, to me, is really the pivot verse for the rest of Second Peter, or First Peter 2. Because what it says is that God chose us. We didn't choose God. He chose us before we understood who God was, before we understood our need for God, before we threw the log in the fire on junior high, before we made a commitment to God, God chose us. And he chose us not because we deserve to be chosen. He chose us because we serve a crazy God. He's just going after us with his love, even though we're imperfect, even though we didn't go to church all the time, even though we don't do what we say we do. He kept pursuing us, and he showed us the length of his love by sending his only son to die on the cross for us. You have to understand that in order for, for the rest of the message to make sense. Now, I know in the crowd this big, there's probably some of you that came because someone's going to buy you breakfast after this sermon. Or uh, that person is, not, is no longer going to go out with you if you don't come with them to church. Or you're visiting. And I get that. And some of you are not Jesus followers. But I'd ask you to keep hanging on because I think as you will see, this is why we're crazy people. Right? Because we follow a crazy God. He chose us not because we deserve it. In a Silicon Valley where everything is about merit and what you earn, we follow a God who says, you didn't earn this. It's because I love you. And I know what that is like. Because 10 years ago, when I was chosen to be the executive director of the center, I was the most unqualified person on the list. I'd never run a fitness center. I've never been to seminary. I didn't know how to even run a, a spin program. I was the most unqualified person. And yet God said, through the interview process, through the people who were the elders at the time, through Gary, hey, we choose you. Me? Yeah, we choose you. We're going to go with you. And it's kind of funny because when I meet my, uh, my peers uh, that own other fitness centers, they'll tell me of like how they have a physiology major, how they studied sports management in Cal Poly, how they have advanced degrees and all these things. And they go, how about you? Um, I got chosen by God. You're like, excuse me? Uh, I don't have those degrees. I got chosen by God. We are that way. We think that we can only serve in a spiritual sense if we're qualified, if we have enough talent, if we have enough status, if we have the right experience, if we have the right degree. And this verse tells me that's not true. McKenna can, can serve just as significantly as Pastor Brian can serve. on the soccer field, McKenna, right? The moms and dads can serve as significantly at home picking up Cheerios again than what I can do at the center on a weekly basis. So you got to be chosen by God and you have to wrestle that to the ground. And if you're a Jesus follower that's not convinced that you're chosen by God, I implore you to come and talk to somebody. 
somebody, it doesn't even have to be a pastor, but, but wrestle that to the ground. If you feel chosen by God, the next thing is, who do we serve then? And then the, the next verse that Peter dives into is he says, um, we're going to serve all our masters. He says, you who are servants, be good servants to your masters, not just to the good masters, but to the bad ones. This is where the room starts getting warm and kind of small, right? Because it's easy to go serve someone who's a great leader or a competent leader, but to serve a bad one? And in the, in the, some of the translations even says, serve a harsh master. And you might think, well, what do you know about serving harsh masters, Anthony? Well, here's it. I've worked for, Gary and I have worked together for the last 16 years. Uh, for the first six years, I was actually Gary's boss because I was one of the church officers. And so the lead pastor would report to, to the church officers. We'd do his reviews and all that stuff. For the last 10 years, Gary's been my boss. And I got it. Here's the spoiler alert. It hasn't all been great for the last 16 years. I'm sure there's been times where Gary goes, I think we made the wrong choice. <laughs> there's been times where I've gone, I think I made the wrong choice leaving high tech. The point is, serving is messy, even in churches. And it gets even messier when you serve the wrong boss. I get that. Now, you might be sitting there and going, Gary, you, church, well, remember, I spent the first 21 years of my career in high tech, and I'm telling you, it's brutal out there. I know what you guys are dealing with. I had a VP of sales. He thought his calling in life was to line us up every Monday morning on a 7 a.m. conference call, all 30 of us around the country, and his job was to berate us for what we didn't do to close the deal when he wanted it to be closed. It was a public flogging every week, and I worked for that guy for five years. I get it. It's harsh out there. And yet, Peter says, and the word says, don't pick and choose who you serve. If I placed you there, serve regardless of the quality of the leader, regardless of the circumstance that you find yourself into. Now, I'm not talking about abuse or, or things that's unlawful. You have, a, you have a moral obligation to make sure that doesn't happen. But what Peter is just saying, hey, we're all servants. And by the way, some of your translation says slaves. But the original Greek word is really domestic servants here. And so when Peter says this to his audience, it's not like they go, well, some of us are servants, some of us aren't. Well, it turns out that we didn't, inv uh, we didn't invent the gig economy. There was a gig economy for Uber and DoorDash and all that stuff. It started all the way in the Greco-Roman times where almost some people would say 50% to at least 30% of the people sold their services as servants or slaves. So Dr. John Dearborn would say, hey, I'm a surgeon. I'm going to go serve you, and I'm going to sell my services to you, and I will be a servant to you. So when Peter writes this, his audience really understands, yeah, we're all servants. Most of us are. 
Some of them were slaves because they'd been conquered, but the most part, they were just selling their, they, were, they had a gig, they had, a, they had their own gig that they were ser- serving and selling their services to other people. Point is, they understood what they were talking about. And, and they didn't get to pick and choose. Some of us get to pick and choose. Most of us don't get to pick and choose our managers, our supervisors, our bosses, and how well they're leading us. But if you're chosen, if you're a Jesus follower, you got to serve your earthly master, all of them, the same way. Then Peter makes a turn and he says, okay, so we got this straight. And it's one of those if-then statements, right? If you're chosen, this is what you're going to do with all your masters. And then Peter goes even further and says, well, now I'm going to tell you how to do it. And some people think, like, the Bible is so theoretical, and I wish it would just be more straightforward. This is one of those straightforward passages. And I'm an application guy, so I love the step-by-step that he goes into next, and, uh, and this is what he says. This is the kind of life you've been invited into, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so you would know what it could be, that it could be done and also how to do it. Step by step, he never did one thing wrong, not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. He used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so we could be rid of sin, free to live the right way. His wounds became our healing. You were lost sheep with no idea who you were or where you were going. Now you're named and kept for good by the shepherd of your souls. I imagine Peter, when he gets to this point, start getting teary-eyed. And maybe his voice starts to crack as he's dictating this probably to a servant who's a scribe. Because remember, Peter was a fisherman. And some say that it might have been Silas, his fellow apostle that was writing. But I remember who Peter is. Peter was the guy who spent 24-7 with Jesus for three years. Some of us find, like, we can make an excuse and go, well, if I was Peter and I was with Jesus and Jesus told me those things, I could do this a lot easier. But Peter was also the guy who denied Jesus three times at his greatest need. And I imagine Peter remembering, like, yeah, this is how, this is while my master was being beaten for me, I warm myself against the fire with all the other servants, and I even wonder if Peter could actually hear the insults that were being thrown at Jesus because they were only that close. And maybe he even heard the slaps, the thumping, right? Or maybe even the way that, that Jesus was being mocked by the soldiers, So Peter, this wasn't a theory. This wasn't just Peter remembering a story that somebody told him. He goes, I was there. I know what I'm talking about. This is how our heavenly master served us, served me, the most undeserving person. And Peter is saying, this is how we are to serve our earthly masters. 
Because I think what Peter is saying this is that if you are chosen to serve, serve your earthly masters like your heavenly master served you. And the win is this. The win is you become more like your heavenly master. The win is that you become more and more like Jesus. You know, I use the principles of the blue towel almost every day. And it's been 10 years. We've used the blue towel to, uh, when we interview people, to help them remember that they are so much more than what they do. Every person that we've hired over the last 10 years, close to 900 of them, these are brand new employees. They get to sit in my office. They get to hear the five R's. And what the last one is reflect or remember, and it's founded on John 3.16. Because before that person accepts a job with us, I want them to remember that whether they're killing it or they're stinking up the place or everything else in between, that every day what we value is who you're becoming. It's not what you're doing. Yes, we're people of service excellence. Yes, we're spiritual growth. Yes, we have paying members. But every person that works for me, I tell them, the biggest win is you, KD. Are you becoming more and more like Jesus? Is Matt and the girls, are they getting a better version of you every time because you work here? We also use the blue towel to remind us that we do service excellence and spiritual growth. We're a ministry and we're a business. If we don't keep our, our, our customers, if we don't deliver to the school superintendent, we don't have the PE program, we don't have the center, we don't have a ministry. And that's hard. I got my staff here, Corinne, Meredith, Susan, Anya, whoever else I'm missing. They do a lot of hard work. They sit in that tension of ministry and business. And it's messy. And we've gone from being half a million dollars in debt, relying on the church for financial help, to being financially healthy, and we don't take money from the church any longer. We've gone from serving 2,400 people to serving 10,000 people. We've gone from being not, not being able to recruit people to work for us and members to stay with us to having an 80% retention rate of our staff and a 95% retention rate of our members. But in all that, the thing I'm most proud of is how my staff has become more and more like Jesus. It's how, it's how we've created a way to help people understand that Jesus matters at work, that Jesus cares for you. In the Silicon Valley where it's all about merits and earning things, I want people to understand this is not how it's supposed to be. Your worth is not in what you do, but what has been done for you. And so in order to do that, we have to continue to remind ourselves. How about you? This week, you're all going to go back into your workplaces, into your neighborhoods, into your schools. What's going to be your blue towel? It's going to be like Andre, construction, Gary at Mathnasium, Stan selling construction materials, John teaching golf lessons, Dave practicing law, 
What's going to be your blue towel? How are you going to view your blue towel in its spiritual significance? Who are you going to serve with your blue towel? I, uh, I kidded my team. That I said, I'm going to hand out blue towels to everyone as a reminder. And they're like, you're, no, you're not. And I said, okay, that's true. Uh, so Daisy and I came up with this idea that we were going to print blue cards for everyone, but then the coronavirus sabotaged that also. So what I'm going to ask you to do is stretch your imagination, but whether it's your electronic device or your U-version notes or your pen and paper, I want you to write somewhere this, the words chosen to serve. Chosen to serve. And above that line, I want you to write your name. So Anthony, chosen to serve. Below that line, and you know what's coming. I want you to write the name of a person who you're going to serve with your blue towel. It could be a coworker, it could be a customer, it could be your kids, it could be a neighbor. And then I want you to go through this week and every morning, if you could remember, because I don't want it to stop here, is bring out that piece of paper, that mental note, and just bring it to Jesus every morning. Just ask Jesus to give you the strength and the patience and the courage to go and serve like him and to remember that if you serve like him, you become like him. I've been at PCC for 30 years. I know, I'm that old. Uh, I've never once heard... Someone say, hey, don't forget what Carl Johansson, the founder of PCC, said to us, and that is bring people to church. But I've heard numerous times, almost every lead pastor and Carl, when he was still alive, come back and remind as many people as possible, remember, bring the church to the people. If PCC's strategy to achieve its mission is for the, all the paid staff to go and reach the 80,000 people and the 6 million people we have on the peninsula, it will fail. There's not enough paid staff that you can have. There's not enough budget that we can raise in order to do that. I'm glad that's not our strategy. I'm glad that's not God's strategy because the church has never been about a building the church has never been about an address or a location. It's always been about you, the people of God, the chosen ones, the ones that he placed all over this peninsula with different talents and experiences and, and personalities and different bosses. That is how we're going to achieve the mission of PCC, is if every one of us serves like how Jesus has served us. And remember, the win is this. My team is really clear on this, that God's going to do what God's going to do with the 10,000 people we serve, with or without us. I'm clear that God's going to do what God's going to do with the center, with or without me. It's been there for 45 years, and God willing, it's going to continue way after I leave. But we also know this, we believe that God's invited us not because he needs something from us. He's the God of the universe. But because he has something for us. And when we serve like Jesus, we become like Jesus.
When we serve like Jesus, we become like Jesus. When we serve like Jesus, we become like Jesus. Imagine if all the PCCers that heard this message today took that calling seriously and went out into where God takes them this week. Imagine what would happen to our city. Imagine what would happen to your neighborhoods, to your relationships. Imagine what would happen to this peninsula, to this nation, if every Jesus follower lived out that calling. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you do not define us, you do not love us because of what we do for you, but what you've done for us. Thank you that your word is so practical and yet so hard and so messy at times that to follow you means to be crazy in this uh, earthly home that we have. I pray for my brothers and my sisters. I pray for me that we would not forget that we are exiles. This is not our home. You are calling us. You're calling us to come home to you. And on our way there that we can find hope and bring hope to all the other image bearers that don't know you yet. As we serve like Jesus to become more like Jesus. And so I pray for wherever you would sprinkle us in this peninsula, in this city, uh, in this world, God, that the name of Jesus and the image of Jesus would be more clear, more known through your people as we become more and more like Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.